Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Global Geek News Podcast. This is episode number 23 of the Global Geek News Podcast. As always, I am your host, Jeremy Bray, alongside my co-host, Wesley Faulkner. How's it going, Wesley? Things are going well. It's been a while since our last podcast, uh, um, but uh, I'm really excited about the show. Yeah, it's been, what is it, about two weeks for those that haven't been following along on my Facebook or my Twitter or whatever. Uh, last week, my grandpa had a heart attack, and that just kind of threw everything into chaos, and, and it, it's finally starting to calm down a little bit, although I'm still having to chauffeur him, him him around to and from work and everything, but at least now things are a lot more calmed down, and he's doing good, so now I finally have time and, and the energy to finally do start doing podcasts and and blogs for those that haven't been paying attention i have done several blogs this week on the global geek news blog which is globalgeeknews.com slash blog or you can just go to globalgeeknews.com and hit blog either way it'll take you to the same place and also one thing uh, about that i am looking for more bloggers on the global geek news blog so if you'd like if you have some opinions about and want to blog, see the post from, oh, I think I think it was two or three days ago, I think it was the middle of this week, like Wednesday, where I basically put an ad in there looking for more writers for the Global Geek News blog. I'm hoping to try and get some more writers just to make some more regular content for times when I can't get around to blogging, and I'm still... I hoping to get it listed on the Amazon Kindle. I it's been I think two weeks now and I still haven't heard anything, so I'm hoping that with some more regular content it'll have an easier time of getting on the Amazon Kindle. But anyway, um for those of you that wanna follow along, of course our show notes are at globalgeeknews.com. And that's about all I have to say about all that. Anything new and wonderful going on with you? Uh, new and wonderful. Um, I just had a birthday, uh, which is oh. awesome. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Happy birthday. Yeah, uh, thanks. Tomorrow we're uh, going down to the lake, and uh, we have a party boat rented, and we're just going to spend some time in the sun and the water and relax a little bit. Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. I don't think we'll have a whole lot yeah. of sun here. I think I think it's supposed to be cloudy and rainy. I'm hoping it's not too bad tomorrow because we're supposed to get the swamp cooler in, which doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun, but at least it'll make things a little bit more bearable when they get as hot as they have been the past couple of days. Yeah, it's supposed to hit 92 tomorrow. Uh, that cold lake water is going to feel really good. I think my mom said it's supposed to hit right around that, like around Tuesday, I think. I don't know, we had, I think it was around 88 was it yesterday or the day before? And that's just way too hot for me. It's the one thing I hate about living in this part of Colorado is during the summer it's always in the 90s and low hundreds, and it's just not comfortable. Yeah, might as well move to Austin. Yeah, just about. <laughs> All right, you want to get on with the first story? Yes, uh, first story... Apparently, Sprint has lost 182,000 customers and $594 million in apparently the first quarter of this year, which I guess it's not that bad compared to the previous quarter, in which case they lost 1.3 million customers, but it's still not real wonderful considering that all the other carriers seem to be gaining uh, subscribers and they're the only one that's actually losing subscribers. Yeah, well, the other companies uh, pr- promote themselves and their brand a lot more. Um, you have uh, AT- AT&T with the iPhone, and so you see iPhone commercials and you see straight AT&T commercials. And they all seem to have a special plan that makes it uh, more... more. Um, they have something to tout to say that... that with what they do is really good. Like T-Mobile has their Fave Fives, and they have all those commercials. And Verizon has, uh, they say that you know, 
Can You Hear Me Now? You see those all the time, that, that largest coverage area. So Sprint doesn't really have a thing that I know of. Yeah, it seems like when they advertise, it seems to be mostly to the NASCAR crowd more than anything, because that's almost the only time I ever see any kind of sprint ads or anything is usually when I'm watching a NASCAR race. But and they also and they don't have any kind of killer handset like an AT&T does with the iPhone or a T-Mobile does with the, the G1. And at this point, the only thing they've got is oh. Now I can't even think of the name the of that pre. phone. Well, the, the pre's pre. not out quite yet, but I, uh, if anything's going to turn it then? around for him, it will. Hmm? The Insight. Is it the Insight? Could be. Yeah, it's the touchscreen. Yeah. 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 I think if anything can save him, it's going to be the pre, because it'll finally give him a handset that everybody wants to try, and that's... I think that's about the only thing that's really going to save them. And just so everybody knows, I am a Nextel customer, which is owned by Sprint. So, full disclosure, whatever. <laughs> but you're not getting a kickback, though. <laughs> no. I wish. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it's... it's, it's, it's um, I think what's going to save Sprint is not necessarily handsets. It's the battle over fair and equitable data rates and charging um, they, they have this opportunity to being in fourth place to really turn this around and saying hey um, 60 bucks and you get everything they would still make money and they would get a ton of people going into their network yeah well, I'm not sure what my boss pays for mine but I think it's got to be somewhat around that and I essentially get everything as far as I get unlimited text, emails, and everything through my BlackBerry, the only thing I don't get is unlimited minutes, which I get 450 of. But for someone like me, that that's usually enough. I don't think I've ever gone over that, because if there's any major calls that I have to do, I usually use Skype, since I pay for that anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, the, there's, there was a report about Boost, uh, how they had an everything plan I think at 50 bucks and they have grown uh, by leaps and bounds because of and since it's prepaid for one and, and two that it's an everything plan I, I think if they brought that to the mainstream and get charged a $10 premium for the Sprint brand I think that I know I would consider moving to them yeah well the Boost thing has really kind of surprised me I, I had never even heard of Boost until a couple of weeks ago, and all of a sudden I just started seeing a bunch of their commercials. I had never known anything about them, and I honestly still haven't gotten around to looking them up, but from what I hear, they're supposed to be a wonderful service. Uh, I heard that they're being plagued with delayed text messaging, though, so if if you uh, rely on text messaging, it's a bad service. Like, I heard delays as bad as uh, eight to nine hours. Wow, that is bad. Hmm. Sounds about like Twitter well, on a bad day. Um, did you hear, just kind of tangenting off, did you hear that the pre was possibly going to be released, uh, I think, June 5th? I've heard, I don't know how many different dates, I don't even know who to believe anymore. Well, apparently June 5th, uh, someone saw, I could be mixing it up, it could be the 15th, but I believe it's June 5th, someone saw something called uh, a lunch uh, launch that they're gonna uh, was on the calendar for Sprint that there there's a a, a a launch lunch schedule, and so they're assuming that if they're launching something, it's probably gonna be the pre. Yeah. See, the one thing that I've never cared much for is the idea of launching something like the same day you announce it or whatever. I've I've always been a big fan of tell people like a couple months in advance or something like that or a month or whatever that this is the date you're going to launch it Not don't just surprise it on them kind of like Apple does yeah some people aren't going to wait that long and re-sign contracts and like well I don't know when it's coming out so I'm going to yeah. and, and plus when nobody knows when it's coming out it does reduce 
oh, well, you might not want to get it because X is coming out in three weeks, four weeks, two months, whatever. It's hard to gauge. So that I think that lowers the chatter of how much people talk about it. I mean, I know a lot of people are talking about the pre, but um, people say they're going to get it, but not even knowing when it's going to come out, I think kind of mutes some of that. Yeah. Well, that's the same kind of issue I had when I got my BlackBerry. Uh, well, it hasn't been quite a year ago yet. It was like a month later, if that, when they announced the BlackBerry Curve for Nextel with the Direct Connect service, which that's what I needed for work, and that really irritated me that I'm locked into a two-year contract, and the phone that I really want comes out a month later, but since Mm -hmm. there was no news that it was even coming out, I ended up getting stuck with a phone that it's decent, but it's nowhere anywhere nice as the BlackBerry Curve. Yeah. Uh, well, coming back to the story, when they do release the pre, um, their earnings probably won't be realized for another quarter, so they still might have a down quarter coming up uh, and the next re- uh, next time they do a uh, reporting. Um, mm-hmm. But hopefully um, the loss is nowhere near the 1.3 million customers they lost the previous quarter, so at least it's not getting that bad. Yeah. Well, and if they... Um sell off or they outsource their network to Ericsson like they're looking to do for $2 billion, that could be a good thing too because then that they can write off some of that cost for maintaining all their cell sites and I think that could make things a whole lot cheaper for them too. Yeah, I wonder if that will de- um, slow down their rollout, rollout of LTE. Uh, their, their 4G network if they don't have control over it. I don't know. With as much as Ericsson seems to be into making the handsets and stuff, I would think that they would keep going with whatever plans they have now. Just because if they're the ones that can make the handsets for it, then why not? Yeah. Well, I'm all for competition, but... Um, if they're not competing on something that I find interesting and it's just one handset, um, like I said, I think price is going to be the key. They have an opportunity to really um, make a dent and make the other carriers hurt. But right now, they don't, they're not offering anything. And so until then, I don't think they're going to turn around, unfortunately. Yeah, I, th- I think in the end it all comes down to cost and what they can make their money on. And speaking of where people make their money, apparently newspapers are only getting around 33% of the revenue from Amazon Kindle sales. Yeah, it sounds like almost pennies on the dollar, but the the question is, uh, is, is everybody fine with that? Is Is it more like Kindle, like Amazon's getting the most they can, or is it that the papers are seeing this as a repurposing and and they can get more money for the content that they already produce. Yeah, I haven't tried uh, getting a subscription to anything on my Kindle yet. I was looking into it yesterday, but I never, I haven't taken the plunge. And, there, and there's a 14-day trial with a lot of them, so I'll probably check it out this weekend just to see what a newspaper on a Kindle is like. But in the Global Geek News blog... I was it yesterday, I think? I wrote a post on the new Kindle DX, which apparently that's kind of what a lot of these new Kindle news from the past week revolves around, especially when it comes to the split between the newspaper, Amazon, and the wireless carrier, which apparently is all 33% for each. But mm-hmm. in, that, in the post that I wrote, I pretty much panned the... Kindle DX. I mean, I love my Kindle and everything, but everybody, but it seems like Amazon and the newspapers and the magazines and everybody wants this to be the savior that print media needs. But I, but considering the cost, I really don't think that 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 that's possible. And this and it's almost a five hundred dollar device just to have a slightly larger screen than what they have now. Uh, well, harking back to Star Trek, which opens today here, uh, in the future it seems like everybody had Kindles, so it's bound to be mainstream soon. Yeah, that that's kind of what I've always dreamed for is the Star Trek pad. That that's 
always been my goal, and, the, and my Kindle's about the closest thing to it. Now, if it just had touchscreen capabilities, I'd be real happy. That and color. Yeah. Well, it... Uh, on one part, this seems very fair. Everybody who has a stake in it, the content provider, the hardware manufacturer, and the wireless carrier, they all get an equal share. They get, always get thirds. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the other hand, it, it seems like if people are buying the content, um, that that should get the biggest portion because uh, the reader alone will be, will be, would be nothing, which is the Kindle, and the wireless network would be nothing without the content. So it seems like everything's uh, is uh, is based on the content. So you'd think that they would get a bigger split. Um, I don't know if you know this, but do you know if the the newspapers are do they show advertisements with on the Kindle version or not? You, I don't believe they do, but I'm not positive. That's one of the things I'll check out when I get a subscription to them. To I don't know which one I'll sign up for the New York Times or Wall Street Journal or whatever, but I don't think that there are advertisements on there. Yeah, and uh, well, they're already producing this content, so they're able to get money already in their print media, and now they'll get it through the Kindle. Um, And I guess if they get ads, then it's just even more money. Um, so I, I, I guess it seems fair because now they're getting money for something for no extra work that they'll have to do yeah well the way I was thinking about this when I saw this was when you compare this to all the um, mobile platforms that are big right now like the iPhone Android and whatnot, all the shares mm-hmm. on those the developers or whatever get 70% whereas like Apple and AT&T have to split 30% or whatever for their costs and whatever they make off of it but the but the content whoever makes the app or whatever gets 70% so in my mind if the newspapers would put their content on something like the iPhone it, they would get a much better deal cuz they're getting 70% instead of 30% plus you have a much larger audience than the people that have a Kindle I I haven't seen any recent figures on estimates of how many people have a Kindle, but I know there's more iPhones and Android phones and everything floating around than there is Kindles. I, yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, there's two things, though. One, I don't know if they're actually restricted to have it on multiple stores. Hopefully they're not, and they can do something like that. But also, too, um, those other devices are Internet devices. So I don't know if people would be trained to download um, the newspaper version or just surf to the website. Uh, they could, depending on how good of a browser the like, the iPhone or Android phone has. I, I've, I've never had much experience with either of, either of the devices, so I can't say how good the browser in them and stuff is. But I think you could come up with an app and, and give it an, an experience all its own that would get people to um, buy it that way instead. And and with those, as far as I know of, um, like Apple and stuff, they only take a cut of the sale of the app. If you have a subscription service off of that where you can continually get a newspaper or whatever, I don't think they take any cut of that. So essentially all the money from that would be theirs. Yeah, I think so. I, th- I think it's just the the one-time uh, application fee, and that's it. And uh, they could distribute the app for free and just charge for additional content if they wanted to. Yeah. I, that's a great my, idea. In my mind, that makes more sense than what pennies are getting this way. Cause I, I think that was the New York Times I was looking at. is only like $13 a month on the uh, Kindle. And when you split that three ways, they're not getting a whole lot. Yeah, if, and also if they did it like on an iPhone, they can embed rich content like videos uh, and and make use of the color. Um, I think that's a part of old media not embracing new digital technology. So if I had to guess the way that this business arrangement worked with the Kindle and Amazon is that Amazon went to the newspapers and not the other way around. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it, it seems like it's Amazon that's kind of approaching everybody uh, rather than other people trying to approach them. Because when they announced the Kindle DX this week, they also said that they're working with some universities to try out the Kindle. But a little while later, it was only revealed that... And I think they said, like, five of the top universities. Well, it turned out that each university is only getting like 50 Kindles or something like that to try out and they're not even real sure what to do with them, what classes to use or anything. So I, I think there's still a lot out there that people need to, that a lot of these print media companies need to adjust before something like a Kindle really catches on and can be a viable business option for them. Yeah, that's one thing that I, I didn't I didn't, maybe you I haven't been following the DX news too closely, but if you're using it for... uh, Sorry, let me just restart. So in school, usually, even if you buy a book through the bookstore, that um, it's possible that the next year they'll come up with a different revision, and so they won't buy your book back anyway. And, And you would have to... In the next year, if you had to take the class again or the class coming behind you... They will have to buy that new revision. So, mm-hmm. if you had the book on your Kindle, and there is a new revision, since it is a digital device, would you get that new revision, or do you have to buy that new revision, or will they be an upgrade fee? You know, I don't know. In all the books I have, and I and I've got some programming books that are probably used as textbooks. I don't know. I haven't heard anything in terms of whether you you'll get an upgrade for free or if there's an upgrade price or if you just have to buy a whole new book or what I haven't heard a whole lot about that I know I've heard in the past of some school districts and stuff that are trying to go the way of paperless and giving all the students laptops and having everything on there with those they get updates to the material and the curriculum as they become available and it's just kind of a part of whatever package that they're getting and and there's no upgrades to textbooks or anything like that it's just an online curriculum that's updated as it's needed and I've always believed that's kind of the way to go yeah I, I agree with you there and, and also since most most students entering college uh, have laptops and the the medium is in a digital form it would make sense that they would instead of having a, a DX for textbooks that just like on the iPhone how they have a, a a book reader app maybe just come up with an application for laptops yeah I, well I've that's kind of what I've always been a proponent of is moving to digital for everything possible because if you take like the Wikipedia model and make it a story. Everybody can edit it. It can be edited basically as soon as something happens. I think that you'll have a much better education than having kids read stuff that's six months to a year, two years or whatever old than a science book or something like that that has since been disproved or whatever and and they're learning bad information. Yeah, I wonder how many textbooks out there still say that Pluto's a planet. Um, I'm sure there's quite a few of them, especially since, what was it, Ohio or whatever, a couple of weeks ago, the state of Ohio passed a law saying that Pluto was Pluto was still a planet. Oh, I think that was Illinois. Is it Illinois? I know, I know it was somewhere yeah, around so. there, but I couldn't remember for sure where. All right, well, moving on to the next story, there's a list here about the stuff that you cannot do in the Windows mobile marketplace. Yeah, it seems like um, the big thing here is no VoIP on Windows mobile unless I think it's over Wi-Fi, but you can't do any VoIP over the carrier's data service or anything. Although there's plenty of other things you can't do, including over-the-air downloads larger than... 10 megabytes, and you can't do anything that would um, promote any kind of alternative marketplace than the Windows Mobile Marketplace. And mm-hmm. it's 
they're pretty much, it seems like they're kind of taking like an Apple approach to this as far as you can only have certain things and you can't do anything against them that would compete with them. Yeah, um, a buddy of mine uh, who is uh, intimately familiar with this, uh, with the store and the development, his name is uh, Lokwee. Um, I heard him on MS Mobile's podcast, and they asked some very poignant questions. And some things that aren't listed in this list is that there's also going to be uh, regulations on uh, adult content, also of, uh, offensive content. And the biggest one here is uh, right here in this list, it says that uh, no app should be over 10 megs over the air download. Mm-hmm. Um but what you could do is you can download a small version of the app, kind of like um, what Adobe does. You download basically a downloader, and then mm-hmm. that downloader can get more of the software. Um, so that will be allowed. And um, also, they're not going to restrict uh, apps uh, being sold or released uh, in other methods other than the marketplace. So... Um, even though this says no VoIP over 3G, that could still be offered uh, through, like, say, Skype's website. They can still offer a client that uh, allows it to work over 3G and not be restricted to just Wi-Fi. Yeah. I think that's kind of the sticking point, that all this applies to the marketplace rather than to the operating system, which is good because it's kind of like the way Windows Mobile has worked so far is up until now, there's never even been any, any real talk of a Windows Mobile marketplace, and there never really was up until the App Store came out for the iPhone. It's just been a lot like an experience that I've had for my BlackBerry. It's just kind of, you have to go out and find all the apps on your own that are just floating around the internet and install them yourself. There was, there's never been yeah. something like this, and I've and I think something like this will certainly help Windows Mobile, which isn't, they aren't the most, it isn't the most popular mobile operating system, but I think this is a step in the right direction, no matter how restrictive it may be. Yeah, Windows Mobile always had the problem of you get what you get, and you have to do all this work to customize it. Hopefully this uh, new injection of, of content and applications on a regular basis will keep it alive and vibrant. Uh, one thing I, I don't seem to like so far is that every screenshot that I've seen for the Windows Mobile Marketplace looks horrible. It looks like the UI is is really really bad. Uh, it doesn't. It, it the icons don't really separate from menu options to the icons of the applications. And um, one thing that I like to do when I buy applications is to see a couple screenshots and maybe have a little description and it looks like they just have a list of the applications with some vague I hope this is just a mock-up and I hope it's going to look a lot better than this yeah I haven't seen too much on it I've seen some of the specs as far as what uh, developers can expect from the service and what they have to pay to get into it which in my mind, paying $99 or whatever a year to put apps on it is kind of stupid, especially when you don't have to pay anything to get it on the um, iPhone App Store or I think for... You have to pay. Oh, do you for the, app, for the iPhone App yeah, Store? Yeah, I, th- I think it's $99 too. Um, also, um, the with this mobile marketplace, they'll give you free updates. So if you doing a dotted release of your application, that's going to be free, and you have unlimited versions of those. Hmm. Yeah, I, I was thinking uh, the Apple uh, App Store was free. Um, the Android Store, I know, it's a just a $25, is it 20 or $25 feed to get you into the store, and after that you can release as many apps as you want. But with Windows Mobile, I think you can only release four apps before you have to start paying or four apps in a year before you have to start paying per app to have it listed. Which, mm-hmm. I don't know, I, I, I don't think they're being the most developer-friendly on this, but hopefully they'll, uh, it's, they're doing it in a way that 
it'll kind of make up for it. Yeah. Well, look, we said that um, he wanted to th- one thing he stressed in the podcast that that uh, was on MS Mobiles is that it's a work in progress and that they're still taking input and they're still changing it. So I'm just hoping that they are doing that and they're listening to all the concerns and actually do some usability testing, hopefully outside the company and get some some really honest opinions. Uh, and and one example of that is that they did charge. They said they were going to charge ninety nine dollars for even updates, but I think last week they they changed that to have them free. So they are listening, and um, actually Microsoft seems to be really listening on all fronts. Like if you listen, if you see the Windows Seven release, um, they still they're they're making changes uh, to show that they are listening to to what people think is more important. Yeah. Well, and I think for Windows Mobile, that's kind of something that they about have to do because they're really getting pounded from between the iPhone, the Android devices, and Symbian. They're just kind of left there being the operating system that nobody really cares for because it hasn't really done a whole lot in the past several years. So I think... Oh, it's done a lot. It's done a lot to piss people off. Well, yeah. But it it hasn't really done anything to move forward or be revolutionary in any way. Yeah, I think it's still a hacker's phone. You have to be really geeky and have a lot of patience and know what you're doing in order to get it to do what you need it to do. And, you know, you have to hack the UI, you have to hack the applications, you have to restart it every once in a while to make sure that programs, uh, enough memory is free to run programs it's a lot of work to get one of these things going and plus the UI is slow um, it takes a special kind of person to put up with Windows Mobile but hopefully they're taking a step in the right direction yeah well at least from the looks of it it looks like they're taking the, a step in the right direction and they're going to stop uh, producing Vista in January of 2011 and any mainstream support by April of 2012 yeah, and even that I bet is going to be extended if needs, um, if the if the if the customer needs are because I know you know XP was supposed to die so long ago, and they kept extending it and extending it and extending it because people kept requesting it. Um, I don't think we'll have that problem with Vista though. Yeah, I I don't I don't see Vista getting um, having this date pushed back at all. If anything, I think it might even come sooner. I think the only reason it's been that way with XP is two reasons. One is netbooks, and two is the bad image that Vista has, which mm-hmm. that's just kind of left over from when Vista first came out. It's nowhere, or at least now, it's nowhere near as bad as a lot of people still think that it is. And I think that's the only reason that they made XP available as long as it has, because the fact that they have XP still available, they're not making near the money that they could if people were buying just Vista, and that and that's why Microsoft sales have been down. Right, and with Windows 7 having uh, virtualization kind of streamlined and somewhat integrated into the operating system, there would be no reason to extend Vista. Because uh, have you heard of the XP mode? In, yes. in Windows 7? Yes. And that it, it's called XP mode, but it, it actually is a virtualization mode in which you can virtualize any, uh, well, I shouldn't say any, but you can virtualize XP or even Vista uh, in, in Windows 7. So the, for, for that reason, I see no reason to, to keep Vista around any longer after 7 is launched. Yeah, and I, I was looking a little bit more into that XP mode this morning, and I didn't realize until now that apparently you need to have certain processors to be able to run it. I was looking to see if my laptop would be able to run XP mode, and apparently the uh, process, the Intel processor that's in my laptop for the Centrino stuff, apparently won't be able to handle it for whatever reason. And, I saw, I don't remember what site had it, if it was Engadget or what, that had the list of processors that will work and won't work. And I believe there's 
a list for AMD as well. But I have a feeling that a lot of people are going to see that, oh boy, this has XP mode, so we won't have the compatibility issues, only to realize that once they have it installed, then it won't work because they don't have the right processor. Right. See, I think CNET's going to have that list that you're talking about of what processors are supported. Yeah. And I think the good thing is, I think, well, I shouldn't say good thing, but I think most AMD CPUs do support uh, virtualization, uh, at least any most of the modern ones within the last few years. Um, and the the big question is, um, with, with this being, I think, going to be a very touted feature in 7, um, is it going to be part of the process to certify a platform for 7? So uh, can, basically, if any plat- if any system ships with seven, can, can, is it guaranteed to have this in it? Because we don't want another debacle, just like the uh, Vista capable uh, tags that happened uh, last OS launch. Yeah, I've got a feeling we could be headed down that road again with this, but I don't know. I I hope not. Just because personally, I didn't get bit from the whole Vista-capable stuff, just because I always I'm a gamer, so I'm always one to, to need the best and fastest components. So, I never got bit by that, but I know a lot of people that did. And I have a feeling that unless people are really paying attention, this could bite them in the same way that it did with the Vista-capable stuff. Yeah, hopefully they have some smarter people that are uh, making sure that this launch is nice and smooth and realize, hey, we screwed up last time. Let's not make sure. Let's make sure that none of that stuff happens this time. Yeah. Well, at least they're at least Microsoft's trying to fix one of their screw ups, being Live Search, because apparently they're in talks to buy SeekPod, or at least parts of SeekPod. Yeah, I've actually never used SeekPod, but apparently it's uh, a, a search engine just to find uh, media, specifically songs on the net. Yeah, I, I've never used it either. I've heard of a lot of people that use it and really like it. I think it's been down lately from what I've heard, but I think they've declared bankruptcy uh, real recently, and then with them supposedly being bought out by Microsoft, or at least in talks of being bought out or partially bought, it kind of makes sense that they haven't been around for a while. But it, it seems like this is mainly about their the search technology, because apparently they have some special technology that can crawl sites looking for all kinds of media files and bringing the links to the media files so you can stream it from from SeekPod, which I think that's something that Microsoft Live Search would really like, because then they could do that with their search results and try and get them to do a little bit better at competing with Google and Yahoo. Yeah. I would say, screw screw out a Live Search. Put this in Position 7. Make Windows Media Player do this. That would be awesome. Uh, I could see Windows Media Player... Um, I don't know. Have you did you hear about the new feature? That's I know it's in the Windows Seven release candidate, where apparently with the new Windows Media Player, or whatever you can stream all your content anywhere over the internet, like you can with a service like Orb. Ooh, I don't know. I haven't heard it over the internet. Um, I heard over a home network, but I didn't know it was uh, over the internet. Yeah, with the um, new version of Windows Media Player or whatever in in Release Canada 1 for Windows 7, it now has the capability to stream all of your media over the internet. Which I'm, I, well, that's I have, nice. I've got the Release Canada installed on my Acer Aspire 1, but I have yet to try it out to see how the quality of the stream compares to what I get with Orb, which I've been using Orb for Oh, uh, I I would say at least three or four years, and I'm a huge fan of Orb. Yeah, but having a a client that's natively supported on Windows would be great for streaming. Uh, it it might actually put Orb out of business if this if you could stream whatever you want. 
Yeah, I, I that, well, that's the reason I only ever used Orb, because there was no way of doing it natively, and over the years, Orb has just created a great experience so that you can stream any file, whether it's mo mo uh, pictures, movies, uh, music, whatever, that, and that's what I like about it, and you can even download files that way, which makes it real nice, because there have been a couple of times when I've wanted to edit this podcast when I'm at work, forget the file on my computer at home, well, I just jump on uh, Orb, and then I have it in a matter of however long it takes me to download it, and then I can edit it and get the show up real quick. Wow. Um, so, so going back to SeekPod, it's only for music, and it doesn't do videos and, and pictures, right? As far as I know, SeekPod itself has always been for music, but I would assume that with all the brain power at Microsoft, something like this could... they could turn it around and apply it for pictures or movies or YouTube videos or whatever they wanted. Yeah, I wonder if they would build it into their marketplace and and have like a suggestions feature, uh, kind of like, um, you like this song, SeekPod says you should like these too. Uh, like a Pandora or like a Amazon suggestion engine. Mm -hmm. Well, apparently, whatever uh, search algorithm that they have, apparently it could be used easily for health search applications. So apparently if you're having symptoms of something, it's more easy to look up health, health stuff with whatever technology that SeekPod has compared to whatever it is that live does now, live search. Yeah, well, seeing that SeekPod is going out of business, it'd be good that at least someone were, were, could acquire that IP and put it to good use. Um, I, I, I'm kind of sad that I didn't use it before now, now that I hear that they're going out of business. Yeah, I always heard it was great, but I, I just never got around to using it, because when it comes to music, if I'm looking to discover music, I use Pandora. Or if I'm just looking for a specific song or whatever, most of the time I'll just go on YouTube because somebody's almost always uploaded a music video or at least some kind of video or still pictures or whatever with the song that I want playing in the background. And that's that's usually the way I listen to a lot of my music that I don't own. Mm -hmm. well, I use the term um, own some people loosely would... because I have pirated most of it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for throwing that one in. We need that. <laughs> it looks like South Carolina is uh, looking to remove criminal criminal activity over the internet, at least over Craigslist, um, saying that uh, it's it's not it's it's illegal to own people, and uh, according to South Carolina, they don't like you to use Craigslist to rent people. Yeah, I, it seems like. From what I've seen, and I think uh, Mike Arrington at TechCrunch got this right on, it seems like they, the attorney generals just seem to be bandwagon jumpers. When they see the press uh, talking about something, like in this case lately, it's been the Craigslist killer or whatever, then they're going to jump on that band bandwagon and act like they're doing whatever they can just so they can get themselves some attention. Yeah, it, it's you can't stop this. Uh, you can use code words. Um, it, you can you can uh, change what you say, but it's it. There, there's going to be prostitution everywhere. You can't kill it. It's the oldest profession. And if they try to say get rid of prostitution, that's like the war on drugs. It's it's futile. Mm-hmm. Well, it kind of reminds me in, of in the past, especially when, like, MySpace was getting all kinds of bad press and everything for all the supposed child predators and everything that were on there. And then all of the attorney generals got behind the movement and to pressure MySpace into doing more about it. And it, it seems like they're just picking on anything that has just a has a bad has bad press for one or two cases and making some big ordeal out of it that it's not just to make it look like they're t 
trying to improve the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, apparently, from what I heard, that they don't even have jurisdiction over this uh, because it, it would come, have to come from a federal court to have to force Craigslist to do something like this. Um, and, and, and the thing is, Craigslist is doing everything they can within reason to try to prevent this from happening and what they need to do is just come up with a better solution uh, other than making outlandish uh, demands like for Craigslist to start policing the site yeah uh, I think they do a halfway decent job I mean I had somebody trying to scam me for a MacBook Pro last week but that has nothing to do with prostitution and they can't police everything but I think they do a fairly decent job of it but well it all depends on what what were what were they going to use to pay for that MacBook Pro yeah well I when I looked into it it was apparent it ended up ended up being somebody who claimed to be a lady in the UK that placed a MacBook a 1-year-old MacBook Pro on our local uh Craigslist, which why anybody, especially from the UK, would place it on our local Craigslist is a little off. Then they were asking only $600 for it, and I, between the two of those, I knew something wasn't right, and I backed out of the whole thing. Hmm. Oh. Well, well, I mean, you get that on eBay all the time. Uh, yeah. And, 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 you know, if, if Craigslist gets shut down, then maybe it will move to an eBay. Or maybe a website that's just for prostitution is going to come up, because that could happen. I mean, look at the Pirate Bay. Uh, and it could be just, they could say they could sell three apples for two oranges, or whatever. And it'll just be all in code, and nobody would be able to do anything about it. Yeah. Uh, I think part of the reason that this even exists on Craigslist is because I believe that, as I recall, Craigslist charges to place ads in their erotic services section, and and that's how one of their major ways of making money, so I think that's why they've resisted all these calls from different attorney generals to do anything more than what they're doing about it. Right, and the the reason why they separated out is because it was in other places in Craigslist, and this was a way to silo them away f- from the regular content. Um, and, and it seems to be working, at least for them. But it's but uh, I guess the attorneys general thinks that it's making it a, a a haven. Either way, I mean it's a problem, and. I understand what the attorneys general is trying to do. I mean, they're trying to make sure that this stuff doesn't happen. But I think this is trying to make an example out of one institution. Uh, but you take, you pick up any local paper, any off-brand paper, and you go to the back page, and you'll see massage services. Um, why aren't they going after those? Yeah, well, I think it's, I I think it's all down to the bandwagon jumping, and it's what's getting the press now. Let's go after that. Yeah, but well, we'll see where this goes. But it looks like Craigslist isn't isn't having any of it. <clears throat> I I don't know. I'm kind of curious to see where it goes and if they'll back down. Supposedly, uh, this attorney general wants the whole erotic services section or whatever shut down by next Friday. So I guess coming next Friday, if it's up there, we'll know what Craigslist has decided to do about it. But until then, we can all focus our eyes on the U.S. Copyright Office because it's... we're in that special third year where the... where they review the DMCA and apparently everybody is trying to change some of the restrictions on it so that people can crack DRM. Uh, you mean they could crack DRM legally? Um, yeah. We've been able to do this for years, almost almost since C- DVDs have been released. Um, now with the advent of the iPod, iPod uh, when it first came out, there was a controversy about being able to rip CDs and whether that that's legal. And now with uh, the iPod being used as a PMP nowadays with movies and videos and, and um, 
and all different kinds of content, uh, it only makes sense for them to eliminate that ban uh, on the, it being an infraction to, to rip DVDs to be able to move content to wherever you want. Yeah. Well, as far as I know, most people don't pay the least bit of attention to the DMCA and the fact that it's illegal to break DRM or that it, supposedly it's illegal to jailbreak an iPhone or rip a DVD or CD or whatever. And, and most people don't pay any attention to that, so why it's still in there, why hasn't this change been changed before, I don't know. Other than maybe if it wasn't there, there would actually kind of be no use for DRM and, and the companies that make DRM would kind of go out of business. Yeah, and, and that's fine. The, the, the world will not collapse upon itself. Um, I wonder if they do pass something like this, do you think it would translate and move over to Blu-ray? I, I would think so. I don't know that they've they've cracked the DRM on Blu-ray anyway. Last I heard, although, and I think Sony released a fix for whatever they cracked, and they cracked it again. But that's mm-hmm. nothing new for Sony. They've been playing that game with the PSP for what is it, three years now, two or three years now, and they still mm-hmm. haven't made much in the way of progress on it. But I I I think that. As long as they do this, the hackers will keep going after them, and it's going to be useless. Yeah, I I think that this should be passed. Um, I mean, we currently have... Um, there was that Kaleidoscope case, and now we have that, uh, that one from Real Networks case about all around DRM. And, it's, and, and they're actually doing it the right way, at least the right way... Um, at least from the standpoint of they're making sure the content doesn't still get leaked out uh, with all kinds of restrictions uh, and they're still getting hassled by this stupid DMCA about the DRM on DVDs and I think it'll save a lot of time and a lot of money and make things a lot easier to use in the future Um, so I can't wait to see if uh, this actually goes through I know this will make my life a lot easier yeah I would think it'll, it'll go through. I mean, DRM is pretty much dead, at least for music anyway, because you got the Amazon MP3 store. iTunes is now MP has is now DRM free, or at least most of it. And I believe the even the Zoom marketplace is mostly DRM free. So I, I think it's pretty much dead. So they might as well go ahead and put the final na- final nail in the coffin. I, I I see no reason to keep it around. This, I don't know, I've, I've always believed, I always kind of go along with the idea of the DRM and everything, all it does is give normal consumers headaches, and it and it's not even much of a speed bump for anybody that actually wants to crack or copy or distribute any media such as games, music, movies, whatever. Yeah. Um... It, the hearings should probably be over by now, and uh, I, I can't wait to see what this goes. And I think we're just going to wait and see, but I, I'm sure whatever the outcome, we'll hear about it. Yeah. What I'm kind of curious to know is, it wasn't that long ago, I mean, in the past couple of months, actually the past month or two, I think, the FTC was looking for people's opinions on DRM and stuff, so I'm kind of curious to see if the FTC has any role in 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 this and and how much of an opinion they have for changing something like this. Yeah, um, I don't think for it's it's just doesn't have to do any tr- with transmission. Uh, I don't think that they're they're really concerned about it that much. Yeah. Well, who knows? I guess we'll find out sooner or later. But speaking of somebody who's going to be gone sooner rather than later, Navgon is apparently withdrawing from the GPS market in North America, which is kind of sad to see. Yeah. Speaking of finding out, <laughs> you won't be able to use uh, Navigon to find where you're going. All right, sorry. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, yeah, apparently they're the fourth uh, 
fourth uh, major distributor of GPS devices in the United States, and now they're they're a German company and they're pulling out. Um, I have never heard of them, but apparently they make really good units. You know, it wasn't until maybe about the past six months where I've been constantly seeing their units advertised on in different places like Tiger Direct and whatnot. And I've never tried them to have an opinion of them. I've got a Dash GPS, and we'll use that until my subscription expires or the day that I die, whichever comes first. But, mm-hmm. I don't know, I, I've heard good things about the Navigama, although I've never really known how they compare to something like a Dash or a TomTom or a Garmin or anything like that. But it's kind of sad to see that they're going away, because it seemed like they always had decent units at a low price. Well, according to this, that they had premium units, um, mm-hmm. and maybe that's their problem. Uh, maybe they shouldn't have gone into the uh, personal navigation device market, and maybe they should have looked at the integrated market. You know, and um, you know, in dash units, factory installed GPS systems for maybe uh, BMW or Lexus or Mercedes or even. Um, uh, the the high cost electrical vehicles maybe um, uh, like the the Tesla or something like that maybe they should have gone for those markets in which they could uh, charge a premium and uh, it'd be diluted with the cost of the car and so it would be wouldn't be that much percentage wise yeah I, I think there was certainly several other avenues that they could have gone I, I think that having premium models. In, in the economic times that we're in probably isn't the best of strategies especially if it's going to be a whole a real big price increase compared to some of the lower end models and I, and I think that's kind of where a lot of companies are shooting themselves in the foot right now mm-hmm. and uh, we saw that what Dash stopped making devices and now uh, and now this Navigon's pulling out of the North American market uh, I wonder, is it our loss, or is it just a consolidation of the market? And uh, are us, or you and I as consumers, are we actually missing um, some really good technology from these companies going out of business? Um, kind of like uh, talking about that uh, SeekPod. Um, they have some good technologies, and we could have, and if Microsoft does not acquire their IP, we could be losing it forever. I wonder if uh, this Navigon has something so unique and intuitive um, if we're going to be missing out because they are pulling out of the U.S. market, well, I know I think we're really we're certainly missing something with Dash being gone. I mean, they were the first ones out of any of them to have the built-in cell connection, so you could get stuff like live traffic data, um, local gas prices, finding out if there's any delays on flights, and they they even opened up an API so that people could make their own apps for it and. and I think that, and as far as I know, if I don't think any of the other uh, major GPS players do that. So I, I think that not having Dash around is horrible. I think they were had taking the industry in a whole new direction, and the and the fact that they've gone to just software now. Yet I don't see the software anywhere. I, that kind of saddens mm-hmm. me. I think that's certainly slowed down the progress a little bit, and I don't know if this is consolidation or not, but I think the more this happens, the slower progress is going to get. Yeah. Um, Well, I wish them the best, and maybe if they're able to increase their business overseas, um, that they'll venture back over here, and hopefully we can get some some better competition if they do choose to re-enter the market. Yeah. Well, I get, I'm sure they're probably at this point wishing they were Blu-ray because at least Blu-ray sales are up this year, up a whole seventy. Yeah, seventy-two percent. Wow, that's I, amazing. I knew it was gonna hit like this this year. I I was I'm kind of surprised by seventy-two percent this early in the year. I figured by the end of the year certainly, but by this early in the year, it kind of surprised me. But apparently, it's largely because the price of the average Blu-ray player has dropped from $393 to $261 so far this year. And if you get a Blu-ray player 
that you can put in your computer to replace like your DVD drive. I think I've seen those for as cheap as like 80 bucks, I think. Yeah, so these are, um, so Blu-ray, this, the 72% is re- 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 um, talking about the standalone players and not necessarily the uh, the discs themselves, but you would think that uh, this is the precursor to a large bump in Blu-ray adoption around the country. Yeah, yeah, so this has nothing to do with the PS3, that's kind of completely separate, they're not... This is just for the standalone players, but my real my real real issue with it has never been the price of the players, just because I have a PS3 and it's built in. My real issue with it has always been the price of the discs, because when it's mm-hmm. thirty dollars for a movie that I can pick up at the bargain bin for seven bucks at Best Buy, it there's just not that big of a uh, value difference when I can throw a $7 DVD into an up-converting DVD player or my PS3 and it looks not not quite as good, but at least it looks better than a regular DVD and I'm saving a whole bunch of money. Yeah, I wonder how much of this is uh, piggybacking on the transition that we're still going through and actually should happen in about a month from now. Um, How many of people are buying new televisions or thinking they're bu- thinking they need to buy new televisions for the transition and you know they're buying $2000 TVs and uh, a $300 player is not terribly too much to throw in just to make sure that they get their 1080p with it. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what surprised me is I haven't seen any TVs yet that have built-in Blu-ray players whereas I still see TVs floating around with built-in DVD players. I think that if you yeah, lower those the- are usually the smaller ones, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the ones with the built-in DVD players tend to be the cheap systems. Yet you don't see that at all. I I don't think I've seen a single TV with a Blu-ray player. I think there were some that were shown off at CES, but as far as actually being out that people can buy, I don't think I've seen a single one so far that's got a built-in Blu-ray player. Yeah, I bet that'd be close to like almost doubling the price of the of the TV it by, by itself because of the the price of Blu-ray. And, and I think that would be bad because of all the flux that we have seen with Blu-ray. Uh, some network connected, some not network connected. You know, then they had the the Blu-ray 2.0 and then the issues with BD Live. Um, I, I think, actually, Blu-ray is not that stable of a platform right now. I, I don't feel... Com- even if I was willing to spend that money, I wouldn't feel comfortable... Uh, buying it now because I think it's still going to change and until it stabilizes I think it's still uh, going to be a threat and uh, and the people who have uh, have purchased the old ones are probably pissed off because I know you have a PS3 and you got the update to enable uh, mm-hmm. the, the Blu-ray 2.0 but some people aren't that lucky yeah that's why when it comes to something like this when they're still playing around with the standard and they went from 1.0 to 1.1 to 2. That's why it's a good thing to have something like the PS3 where you got enough hardware in it that you're kind of future-proof to an extent for it. And the same if you have, if you put a Blu-ray drive into your PC, you can always throw in some more RAM or something like that and you've already got the network connection and everything so you're if you do that, you're essentially ready for it. But when you get these standalone players that sometimes they don't have the network connection or anything for you to even upgrade the firmware, even if you wanted to, or the standard or whatever, I think that kind of that hurts. Yeah. So, um, good for Blu-ray, I guess, for them, that their sales went up. But uh, is this a blip, or is this the the top of the upward curve that is their sales for the rest of the year. Yeah, I, I think it's just the beginning. I think if they can bring the price of the discs down, I think they'll see sales go through the roof. But until they realize that it's the discs that matter more than the player, I, I, I don't think they're going to see a whole lot more growth than what they're seeing now. Yeah, I, I, 
I, I think hopefully with Windows 7, with people buying new computers, maybe um, I know with DVDs, they, they, they really start to flourish when they started showing up built into computers almost as standard equipment. Um, mm-hmm. When people say, hey, I, like you say, you have the PS3, so you're like, oh, I'll get a Blu-ray movie because I have it. Maybe people, when they get new computers and they say, oh, I'll get a Blu-ray movie because it's in my computer, uh, maybe that'll help. Uh, spread the word and proliferation of Blu-ray. Um, and we'll see if it truly is a dead standard uh, and if digital media uh, will over overtake it. Yeah. Well, I think it can be a dead standard and that digital media can overtake it, but as long as there are uh, ISPs wanting to play around with bandwidth caps, I don't think that'll fully take over. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, we live in interesting times. Yeah. Well, anyway, I guess that's all of the stories for tonight, which, of course, again, you can find all the links to everything that we've talked about, or at least hopefully everything that we've talked about, at globalgeeknews.com. This is episode 23. Feel free to leave comments. You can also drop me an email, pcnerd37 at globalgeeknews.com. Uh, for any comments, questions regarding the show thoughts of improvements, what have you. Um, Don't forget to check out the Global Geek News blog. I am posting regularly on there. And like I said, there's the post about the Kindle DX, uh, looking for more blog writers. If you happen to have some spare time, want to write for the blog, shoot me an email. Some of the details are in that blog post. And I know there's been a couple other posts lately. I can't think of them right off the top of my head, but anyway, make sure to check those out, and I think that's just about everything. Oh, and I don't remember if I mentioned this in the last show or not. Actually, I I think I did. Um, I have relaunched the Geek Podcasting Network at geekpodcastingnetwork.com. It's basically a place for, if you have any kind of a podcast and need hosting, I can host you and I'm not charging anything for it at this point. Um, Just basically all I ask is that you promote the other shows on the network. So if that's something you're interested in, check that out and drop me a line as well. Um, Anyway, I think that's pretty much everything from my end, unless you can think of anything, Wesley. Oh, no. Just uh, once again, you can find me on Twitter. I'm Wesley83, that's W-E-S-L-E-Y, the number eight and the number three uh reach out to me tell me hi let me uh let me know that you listen to the show and tell me what you think i would love to connect to our listeners yeah same here i am pc nerd 37 on twitter and on friend feed as well and i'm just about to hit four thousand followers on twitter so if you happen to be my four thousandth follower send me a screenshot showing that you're my four thousandth follower and Maybe I'll give you a plug on the show or something. Which reminds me, there was somebody I was supposed to plug on the show, and I can't remember who. I'll have to look that up. But anyway, that's all we have for this week's show, and hopefully we'll be back again next week with another show. Uh, Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check out globalgeeknews.com. We'll see you later.